We have been um, in the Ten Commandments right now, the commandments that were given on Mount Sinai by Moses. And we can find those Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, which we will see here in a second. That's okay. You know what? Technical glitches happen. Um, But if you have your Bible, why don't we open our Bibles to Exodus 20 while we are waiting for it to come on the screen. Um, I will be reading. There it is. Now, isn't that just like technology to try to throw us off and take us off of the focus of God and onto technology? Then God gave the people all these instructions. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. Stop right there. I am the Lord your God who rescued you. People were, Israelites were in Egypt. They were slaves. God rescued them. He is saying, I am the God who rescued you. Don't forget that. Trust me. And here are some ways to follow me. You must not have any other gods but me. You must not make yourself an idol of any kind or an image or any in the sea of the heavens, of the earth, or in the sea. The Israelites had a habit of making, um, although they knew the one true God, they had a habit of making idols out of other gods or making other gods Um, and putting them before him. And they were crafted, and they were things that were made by man's hands. (coughs) Excuse me. They were made by man's hands, and uh, God said, don't do this anymore. There is only one God, I am he, and don't put anything before me. Now, that's what the Israelites do. We do the same thing, don't we? We put other gods before us. We put money before us, our kids, our our houses, our um, careers, our prestige, our cars. There are lots of things that we put before God, and God's saying, I'm the only God that's going to save you and rescue you. So don't put anything before me. I'm going to stop for one second and ask for a drink of water, please. Thanks, Peter. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. He, come, as we sang today, he comes after you. He wants you. He does not want anything else to have you. He wants you to be with him. And he will not tolerate your affection for any other God. So anything that you put before him, he will not tolerate. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children, and the entire family is affected. Even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. So when we reject them, our whole family suffers. But I lavish, unfailing, reckless, unabandoned, not caring about what the consequences is in loving you. He loves us for a thousand generations on those who love him or love me and obey my commandments 
You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse my name. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Stop right there. Oh, no, go on. (laughs) You have six days of the week to work um, your ordinary work. But on the seventh day is the Sabbath day of rest, dedicated to the Lord for your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners who live among you. We are to stop and rest in the Lord. For in the six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Jesus says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. Come rest in me. Anyone who comes to me who is weary, I will give you rest. So we are to rest in Jesus Christ and knowing what he has done for us. He rescued us. Now these first four commandments deal with our relationship with God which is love your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, everything that you have, everything that you are, everything that he has created you to be, love him with, praise him, worship him, because he is the only one who is worthy of our praises, of our adoration, of our love. He is the only one. So these first four that we studied was about our relationship with God. The next six are about our relationship with each other. Now God is over everything. He is over, he has authority over all of us. But God put parents in authority over our children, not to exasperate them, not to to beat them to a pulp, but he put us in authority over them to train them up in the way that they should go so that none will fall away. So he says in the first commandment between relationships is about honoring your father and mother because he had established this. He established that marriage is between a man and a woman and that we will bear children, and in this child, these children will grow up in the Lord as we train them. And this comes with a promise. If you honor your mother and father, then you will live a long life, full life in the land the Lord your God has given you. So that is the first. God is over all of us, and then he puts our parents over the children. These next four are, you must not murder, you must not commit adultery, and you must not steal. Don't take anything that doesn't belong to you from other people. Don't take their life. Don't take their spouse. Don't take their property. And Jesus says we should give all. If somebody wants, you know, steals your tunic, Give them your coat. If somebody, don't give them your wife and don't give them your spouse. (laughs) But give them your love. (laughs) 
If they want your property, give it to them. <laughs> if they want your wife or husband, don't give it to them. <laughs> but he wants us to give love, love for each other, um, and not to hold our stuff more dear than we hold God. So don't take from other people. Don't take what's not yours. Next. And now this is where we are today. We are going to be talking about the last two commandments. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. And the next one is, you must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not cover your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Okay, we're going to start with the first one. False witness. Jesus had false witnesses come against him as they were trying to put him to death. They were trying to hurt him. They were trying to discredit him. False testimony or false witness is when somebody comes against you with non-truths. Now, that could be done with um, words, writing, um, any way that we tell lies or deceive. That's being a false witness. Today we call that defamation of character. You see on Facebook a lot of people arguing with each other and um, talking about things and lashing out to people, and your reputation gets ruined because it goes to a multitude of people. But God's really not concerned about our reputation. He's concerned with our heart in the matter. Are we talking about other people? Are we hurting other people with our words? Or are we lifting them up, edifying them, glorifying him with our words? People are made in the image of God. So when we honor other people with our words, we honor God. False witness is about deceiving also or hurting others. There's this acronym that um, you see a lot. And this acronym is, started off, I believe, in the schools, but now they have a whole coaching network for it, and it's called THINK. God designed us with two ears and one mouth. We should listen more than we speak. So he says, be quick to listen so that we can hear people's hearts, be slow to speak, and be even slower to get angry. Because when people speak against us, we tend to get angry, and then we sin in our anger. And he says, do not sin in your anger. But there's this acronym called THINK. And it's what you should do before you open your mouth. T stands for, is it true? God is truth. He says, I am the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes before me. No one comes to the Father except through me. So God, Jesus is truth. So everything that speaks out of our mouth should be truth. And that means not only are we... Um, seeing if it's true, but sometimes we pass on things that are our opinion and not truth about other people. And it hurts the way somebody else sees you. For instance, if you are talking to a friend and you say, 
Sally the ghost is always a very negative person. She never is organized, and she is always um, blabbing her mouth. What did we just do to Sally the ghost? We gave an impression to our friend about that person. Now, the, the minute that other person sees Sally and she looks a little disorganized or she had a bad day or whatever, oh, she is always like that. See? So be careful of our words. Our words can either tear people down or they can build them up. And God says people of the church will know each other by their love for each other. So lift each other up. H means, is it helpful? Are our words helpful in building each other up? Is it helpful to the situation? Is it helpful to you? Is it helpful to them? Use, choose our words wisely and make sure that they are helpful. I, is it inspirational? Are our words inspiring to each other? God's words are always inspiring. So at any, any time you can, use God's words and God's words alone because his are the most inspiring. So um, to inspire each other, to spur each other on to good works, use his words. I lost the spelling of it. T-H-I-N. <laughs> And I was just waiting to see if anybody was paying attention. <laughs> and is it necessary? Sometimes there are truths. Sometimes there are things we want to say. But are they necessary to say? God wants us to use all of our words to glorify him. So choose words that are necessary. K. What do you think K stands for? Kindness. Kindness. Are our words kind? Are they loving? Are they worth saying? Kindness. Jesus' words, even when reprimanding the woman at the well, when she, he went through Samaria and he met this woman at the well, his words were truthful. You have um, the guy that you're living with isn't your husband, and um, you've had five husbands or whatever. And he didn't condemn her. He didn't yell at her. He didn't scream at her. He didn't say, you rotten, horrible, no good person. He knew all these things. He revealed them to her, or she revealed she revealed, he revealed them to her, and he said, go and sin no more. There is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. Does he abhor sin? Yes. Does he hate the words that come out of our mouth? Yes. But we don't need to beat ourselves up and take a wet noodle, as Marlene would say, and whip ourselves. Um, there is no condemnation when we are in Christ Jesus so our words should not be condemning. They should be filled with love, with salt, and with um, salt and what? No. <laughs> salt and pepper, that's good, Pete. <laughs> so um, be careful of the words that we say. God commands that our words be 
truthful because he is truth. Now, in all of these commandments, most of these are external. We're talking about external things. But is God really concerned with how you look more than what's inside of you? No. He calls anybody who is empty a whitewashed tomb. That means they're all clean on the outside. They look great on the outside, but there's nothing inside. It is he, empty. It's empty and void of him. He says if you come to him, he will fill you up with the Holy Spirit so that we can speak life to each other. Apart from God, we can do nothing. So the last commandment deals with, really deals with our heart. You must not covet your neighbor's house, his goods, his wife, his donkey, nothing. So before he was saying, don't commit adultery, you know, in the, in the commandments, don't steal. Now he's going to the heart. Don't even covet it in your heart. Jesus says, if you look at another woman in lust, you have committed adultery. That's in your heart. Romans says, um, out of the heart breeds sin. Because what happens is we think it, we ponder on it, it festers, it comes out of our mouth because what comes out of our mouth is in our hearts. And then we act on it. In the church, we don't see much stealing of the house or wives or um, stuff. But you know what we do? We envy. You, me, envy each other's gifts, talents, sometimes stuff. But our gifts and talents, I know sometimes, <laughs> you, me, I'll see somebody up here speaking and go, oh, I wish I could speak like them. Or praying, I hear prayers come out of somebody's mouth and I go, oh, Lord, I wish I could pray like that. Well, to me, what I have learned through this study was when I do that, when you do that, when we do that, we are coveting somebody else's talents. And you know what that says is what we believe about God, that God did not give us everything that he wanted us to have, that God isn't all-knowing, all-perfect, all-loving, all-everything, all-sovereign, because we are believing that I should have something else. So, God, you didn't give it to me. It's saying that we don't trust him in everything that he gave us, everything that um, we have in our gifts, our talents, and in our stuff. It comes down to what is in our heart and do we trust him. This last commandment goes actually back to the first four. Loving your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And then the rest are loving others as yourself. How are we doing at loving each other as ourselves? Jesus said, 
when asked, what is the greatest commandment? He said, love you, the God with all your heart, your soul, your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. These two, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So I'm just going to leave you with this. How are you doing at loving God? Because when we love God and we allow him to come in our heart and change our sinful hearts for a new heart is the only time we can love others. Kathy Lucarelli, can I tell you, can I tell everybody what we were talking about at the coffee bar? Okay. It, it, Mark, it's about you. Is that okay? It's all good. <laughs> we were talking about, I, I don't like to talk about people without asking their permission. Um, and I didn't know that I was going to do this, but we were having this conversation about um, our spouses and what they were like before they knew Jesus and after they knew Jesus. And Kathy Lucarelli said to me, who is this man? I don't know him anymore. He is so different. And she says that I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop for it all to change. But we talked about just trusting the Lord that this is a new heart that he has placed in Mark, in my husband, in me, in you. Anyone who believes on the Lord has a new heart and has the power of the Holy Spirit to do things that you can't even imagine. So I ask today, how are you doing with loving God? How are you doing with loving others? And spend this week in a heart check. Let's pray. Father God, you are a gracious, powerful, wonderful, amazing God who loves us and wants us and desires us to be in relationship with you. Lord, give us a new heart. And where we have hardened our heart, soften it, tenderize it. When, just tenderize it. And Lord, in those areas of our life and in our heart that we have not made you Lord, because you say when you confess with your heart that Jesus is Lord, Lord means that you are over everything in our lives, not just our Sundays, not just our um, time alone with you. You are Lord over every area of our lives. Lord, come into our hearts. Break down those walls that are keeping us in right relationship with you and right relationship with others. I ask that you bless this congregation. Bless your people. Give them, I know that you have already given them everything that they need. Lord, let them trust it. Let me trust that you have given us all that we need. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.